There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Yes, yes. Welcome into another edition of the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. I am your host, Timothy Michael McKernan, alongside Gangster Pete, here to answer your questions on another edition of Questions from the Audience. This week, our interview is with Mark Lamping. So if you missed that, with the former Cardinal president, current president of the Jaguars, gotten a lot of, sometimes I expect to get a bunch of feedback. And, uh, and, 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 you know, it's always good to get feedback, good or bad for real. Uh, but, uh, sometimes I'm just kind of like, oh, that was a good interview. And then we get a bunch of feedback and I'm like, oh, wow, that one really, and I have gotten so much feedback on the Lamping interview, which I really haven't even promoted that much. Um, so that thing really, uh, really jived with people. I think the history of the transition from the AB era to the, the DeWitt era, uh, perspective on the Rams move. Uh, the passion for the MLS in St. Louis, all of that stuff. And you can just tell he's a really good guy. Uh, I think that's why people really enjoyed that interview. I don't know. But I'm, but either way, if you haven't listened to it, it's an interview that people have really enjoyed. So we have our interviews every Monday on uh, the Tim McKernan Show and then questions from the audience every Wednesday from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. And the HomeLoanExpert.com is where you go. Get your home. Get your refi. Make sure you're doing it with Ryan Kelly, the best in the business, the sponsor of our studios. And Ryan was on TMA about a week ago, maybe two weeks ago, and he was talking about how interest rates have dropped. And that wasn't something most people were expecting. And so now if you were like, well, the days of getting rates in the threes are going to be talked about fondly from a year, two, three, four years ago. Well, guess what? It is back. Take advantage of it right now. Go online at thehomeloanexpert.com. Whether you're buying a home or refinancing, make sure you're doing business with Ryan Kelly and capitalize on that. Save money. Save money at thehomeloanexpert.com. All right. Uh, got a bunch of questions. I love questions from the audience. I say it every week. I shall dig in and let me start on the TMA fan page. Uh, let's see. Uh, probably a better question for Doug, but when did he start suspending people on TMA? Is there a story behind it? You're right. It, it, I guess it probably would be a better question for Doug. Doug does not do questions from the audience. Uh, however, maybe he will someday, but, uh, I believe the way the suspension thing came about was he was wondering if the content of some of the emails and texts directed toward him could wind up being a problem for uh, his television job. And so his way to make it clear he was not on board was by suspending people. I believe that is the answer. I believe that is the, I mean, it goes back now seven or eight years, but I believe that is the answer. And then another question that came in via email, look at me, I'm just breezing through questions here. Uh, Doug's giggle fits real or a shtick either way makes me laugh every time. Uh, and the answer to that is real. And I can usually actually tell, like see a text and know that it's the kind of thing that's going to make Doug break down into some kind of laugh fit because it's not like the type of stuff that makes me have my giggle fits and man, do I ever giggle. It's kind of like a, like a dad joke, Jay Leno kind of safe humor thing, but it's so dumb that I think it makes Doug <laughs> laugh because it's so dumb. So that's what I think it is. But yes, those are, Absolutely real. Uh, all right. So I've already answered two questions. This is record breaking. Usually we can do a whole episode and I answer one. Uh, have you adopted a new NFL team since the Rams left or do you juice root for Mizzou football? Uh, the answer to that is because I play DraftKings, I have zero allegiance to any NFL team. And uh, in a way, the Rams not being around have made DraftKings a little more enjoyable because I have zero interest in who wins and loses games. Uh, I don't really gamble on football. I might, I might like on NFL, 
I might do one of those moronic total square plays of a three-team sweetheart teaser, but my money is tied up in DraftKings, and certainly that's where my allegiance is. Uh, I have been a Missouri football fan, an intense Missouri football fan, for a couple of decades. Some people might say, well, why not all your life? I guess I was because I was crying in the stands when I was seven years old when Notre Dame beat Missouri, and I was there with my family. It was at Faroe Field, the Missouri missed a field goal, apparently wearing all yellow. I don't remember that. Um, but uh, so I was into it then. I was wearing this like little Mizzou Tigers painter camp. What a nerd. And then I'm weeping because my family, being Notre Dame fans, uh, are, are thrilled with the result. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, that was brutal. That was brutal. So uh, it goes back that far, but then you think about it. Really, that game was kind of like a signature game for Missouri football. Not that many people listening to this would even know about it or remember it, but that was a turning point because they had been good before. I think they played Steve Young and BYU in the Holiday Bowl the year before, and they lose to Notre Dame, and then it just spirals, and it really never got right for 13 years up until 97 when they got to a bowl game and then a nearly beat number one Nebraska. And then 98, they were a really good team. Um, but I just love it. And I love college football. I just, even when the Rams were here, I'm sure in part it was because all the stuff going on off the field, but the building, the atmosphere, it just was just blah. And one of these like kind of revisionist history things, or it wasn't even revisionist history because I would say it on the air while they were here and while they were good. It's oh, but the dome's a great atmosphere. And I'd be like, you're watching the equivalent of cocaine in the NFL on the field. That's as good as it can get from a product standpoint. I would think it would be exciting in the, in, in the stands, but still, if you would have put that in, I don't know, Arrowhead Stadium or Giant Stadium or, you know, take your pick of whatever their NFL venue, uh, you know, it's just, and I don't, I don't necessarily think it's St. Louis's fault, although that's like a standard St. Louis in line to never like look in the mirror. I mean, certainly a crowd at a St. Louis sporting event looks a hell of a lot different than many other professional sports teams' crowds. No question. Um, older, certainly, being one thing. But, um, A, the PSLs, and B, the fact that you really couldn't tailgate. And I'm talking like an Arrowhead Stadium, college football stadium tailgate. Never really made that like, if it were an Arrowhead Stadium kind of venue, what it could have been during that time period. It just was kind of like, oh, the Rams are playing. I don't know. It's a whole thing to go down there, and then you just got to park in a small lot. And It just it wasn't the way that most NFL stadiums or college football stadiums are set up. I think that was a big part of the lack of enthusiasm in addition to the clown show that was going on off the field. Uh, let's see what else we got. I'm just... Um, a hypothetical. You were given a book deal... To write one book, what would the subject be? A memoir, an investigative book about a subject that fascinates you? Uh, that comes from Ryan Reynolds, who specifically says, don't care whether you use my name or not. So I used your name. Uh, I think I've, I've actually written part of what I guess would be called the book. Now, I would imagine if it ever did get completed and it went to an editor, they would... They would, they would have a field day with, with ripping it apart because it's so detailed that I'm not even out of high school yet. But all of the stuff that went on when I was young, I think factored into not only what I'm doing with my career, but the way I am right now, which is, is clearly odd, uh, just kind of period actually, but also to in, incorporate it more odd for a 42-year-old married father in St. Louis. It's even, I don't know how odd it would be if we were living in South Florida or California, for example, but here it's super odd. And I guess some of the stuff that I could really do without, but I guess it kind of cuts both ways because it's, it's one of the reasons why the show is, is popular is that we put a lot of our personal stuff, not everything, of course, but a lot of it out. Um, is is that I guess because it is unique that um, people are fascinated by it, even though for me it's just like this is my life. I'm legitimately, whatever I'm, I'm saying, I, I truly think, I you know, uh, 
and I don't find anything wrong with it. But I guess if you're coming from a, you know, a conservative background, I'm talking about like, you know, fiscal policy. I'm talking about social that maybe it's like, oh, my God, I can't believe he said that. Or, oh, my God, I can't believe he thinks that. Or uh, is he really that way? Like I have people say, you know, I, I told somebody I know you. And then they ask, are you really that way? Are people really truly that fascinated? And I guess the answer is yes, but it just, it, it weirds me out because I know what my life is like in particular when I'm in St. Louis and it's, I mean, I, I love being with my son. I love reading bedtime stories to him. I look forward to Friday nights because I'm so tired that I can't keep my eyes open, but I love like that 15 minutes between 1030 and 1045 where I'm like trying to keep my eyes open, but I know I'm going to fall asleep and I'm going to get this incredible sleep. Those are my highs. And that certainly strikes me as being incredibly boring. But I, I don't know. I don't know why it is. At the same time, I don't want to complain. It's kind of like Gangster Pete. Well, you didn't say it. It was another person, but I guess we talked about it last week when I was talking about the Plowhawk situation and, um, uh, and how I made the observation with a listener who I was just texting with, and then we wound up kind of getting deep, deep being relative, but we got into a lot more than we were initially texting about. And I said, yeah, it's weird because it's clear on the fan page that it is a page that by definition is for fans of, of the show, that there are clearly people who are not fans of the show who are on the fan page. And that strikes me as odd and also when the Plowhawk thing happened, like, so, like usually I can, I, I, I deserve small amounts of credit for what's taken place with this radio show for real. And I want to emphasize, this isn't like a, oh, I gotta, I gotta distribute the credit for it. I truly feel this way. Cause when it gets down to it, you just have talented people working together and it's going to work whether I've had anything to do with it or not. So that's, that's it. It's the recipe. You know, you can get six other dudes together and, and say, all right, just talk about bullshit and, you know, and it's not going to work because you have to have the certain personalities and the ability to, to move quickly and also a one person who's kind of willing to say whatever. Um, and so, well, actually more than one because, my God, what the hell's Iggy doing? So with, with, with that all said, it cuts both ways, but, but I can usually have a feeling on what's going to happen when something hasn't made its way to the public yet. Like if it's going to be a big thing or if it's going to be a little thing. And I'm not, and obviously in part with the show, but uh, this can be, you know, this can be a tweet. This can be a, a, a sports move, a business move, whatever the case might be. Like, for example, I told the story, well, I guess I think he's Mike Bush said it on the air, but maybe not. Uh, he said something along the lines of when Mike Bush was in here, he said, how did you know? And I said, how do I know what? He goes, how'd you know to get out of TV? And I go, I'm really surprised you're asking me that because to me it was so obvious. Like it wasn't even like a decision. But I, I do remember when I was talking with family members about it, they're like, Timmy, they're going to say you got fired because people aren't going to believe you're leaving TV and you're 27 years old. And, and I'm like, I don't really care. And I was wrong about that because as it turned out, when people did think I got fired, it did bother me. But yeah, it was obvious to get out of it. It was, it was, it was a no-brainer obvious. Um, so I say all of that because, you know, the Plowhawk and I, uh, when we found out that he was not going to get to come back in and have his, his two weeks and say goodbye to the audience, I knew that that was going to cause a problem. And I let management know, I said, I disagree with this, obviously, but also just so you know, this is going to cause a problem. This is going to cause a problem with the audience and potentially some advertisers. And, and this guy is a huge part of the show and he just can't be replaced because it's a personality, which is why going back to the TV radio thing and why I chose radio on TV, they like stifle your creativity and your personality. Now it might be different now. Maybe somebody would go, you know what? Our ratings suck. And we put Tim McKernan on enough people or whatever, hate him that people will watch. So let's just have him do it because he can read off the teleprompter. Maybe it's different now than when I started nearly 20 years ago. I guess it has been 20 years, actually. Um, who knows? But it's, it's, this is, this is, this is going to cause a problem. But it never, 
ever cross my mind that some people in the audience, and again, I, I focus on like this 0.2%, but it bothers me that much, would blame me for it. Um, that that wasn't even like on, I knew it was going to be a big thing, but it never even crossed my mind. It didn't, it didn't even like think about the possibility. Like I'll allocate a probability that Bernhard Langer will win the Masters this week. I'll allocate some for that, which of course we know is like a 0.1% chance. But me getting blamed for the Plowhawk, holy shit. And the reason I bring that up is, is it's just clear that no matter what, and you don't think of yourself this way, that no matter what, some people will, some people just don't like you. And, and in some cases, people know me and they don't like me. When it comes to radio, most of the time, obviously, we haven't met, but they don't like me. And I don't know what that, I don't know what that, what like what it is if it's politics because I really don't feel like I'm really politically charged but I know in 2019 that where you are politically can automatically lead to somebody being on the other side of you although there are plenty of people who love Doug but hate his politics I don't know if it's that I speak openly about being agnostic if that doesn't play well whereas you know in other parts of the country I don't even think it would make a ripple um I don't know if people are used to me in their minds being in charge because I was for a few years. And then therefore when something goes wrong and I go, I didn't have anything to do with it. And they're like, well, I don't like that. He doesn't say, it. but what do you want me to do? Say I had something to do with it when I didn't have anything to do with it. I mean, you know, I, I, I had, a, I had a good, it was a good healthy email exchange with somebody uh, who was one of the people who blamed me uh, for the plowhawk situation. And, and I said, well, you know, and I blocked him from the fan page and, and he's just like pissed off about it. I said, you know, I said, people are welcome to shit on me or the, my co-hosts or the show or whatever. They said, passing things off as facts when they're not facts. I don't care whether that has to do with me or not. If I know it's not true, that's going to be, uh, that something that, that I'm not going to let go on there. Can't have that happen. I can't have it happening for legal reasons, but also just ethically, I'm just totally against it. I, it's a big thing with me. Uh, and I'm, I'm talking about even like, you know, if you're anchoring a sports cast and you don't credit the source, that's how weird I am about that. Um, and I said, how would you feel if in your job, somebody who you really liked and were upset was no longer part of your team was let go and you're already upset about that, but then you got blamed for it and you're sitting there going, what the fuck? I got nothing to do with this. Where is this coming from? So, uh, that's that, that you know, that's. But, but I think it's, I, I just have to accept that there are people who just don't like, and that's fine. Of course. I mean, it's, that's the nature of the beast doing what we do. Uh, and you can't change it. Can't change it. I am who I am. Uh, Doug is who he is. The cat's who he is. Jay's who he is. Charlie's who he is. Iggy's who he is and so on and so forth. But, um, but then, but sometimes then that, what that leads to is it colors people fitting events into their preconceived notion and or narrative that this person is good and this person is bad, or I like this person, I don't like this person. And so in writing a memoir, which was the, the question from Ryan Reynolds, I think not only, first off, if I'm going to do it and it would take a hell of a lot of time, uh, I would have to, it would, it would have to have an appeal ideally greater than just St. Louis and the, you know, the sliver of the population that's familiar with the show. But for those who love the show, it'd be, you know, that, that would be the audience, but ideally it would kind of be a, I don't know if cautionary tales, the right or but just to like explain some of the things that you go through. And I don't know who it was, somebody who I think might either still be at the university of Missouri or somebody who just recently graduated from the journalism school and said, you know, I love what you talk about when you talk about the business, because you're right at the journalism school, they never talk about the business of the business and the business of the business as in the dollars and cents is the only thing that matters in the business, but they never talk about it. And that's the most fucked up part about the whole thing. Now, maybe they do now. I just know they didn't in the late nineties. So you could be the quote unquote, best anchor, best reporter, best talk show host, get the best guest, all of those things, of course, being arbitrary and subjective. But if you and your presence at that particular station 
materially impact the bottom line, that is going to be what dictates whether or not you have a job and whether or not you have leverage when it comes to negotiations. And it's that simple. It's that simple. Just like any other business, but for whatever reason, and I don't know if it's from the incubator at the communications or journalism schools that it's talked about more idealistically as opposed to the dollars and cents of it, that people are blindsided by it. And then because the public is not privy to the dollars and cents of it, anytime somebody is let go, it's, oh, this person was fucked. Uh, but that's the, but the reality is it's, it's, it's always about dollars and cents. Always. It's just, now, now if you do have people making decisions based on personal, then I would tell you that that's not the greatest move, but it's dollars and cents. And, uh, but it's also in the public eye. And so if I were able to, to write a memoir, so many stories, people would go, you've got to be fucking first off there's plenty of things that have never been talked about that'd be you got to be fucking kidding me but then also a lot of things that people think they know what happened they'd be like oh my god and if anything kind of like what's happened here with the plowhawk thing a number of people who were blaming me have since reached out privately via email and go yeah i was an asshole and i'm sorry that i did that because clearly i should have known better but you know uh i was wrong and now it's obvious i was wrong but you know, I think, I think there'd be a lot of that happening or actually, well, you know what, another thing I need to consider this possibility, not possibility, it will happen. There'll be people say, I'm just lying that that actually is in play, especially because a lot of this will reflect poorly on a variety of people. Um, and they just say I'm lying, but whatever. Like I, I always say about that stuff. It's like, okay, then let's, let's do some kind of public discussion and do a lie detector test and whatever, and put up money and you know, and then see what happens because I'm not going to say something if it's not the truth. So anyway, there's the answer. The answer would be a memoir. Uh, let's see. This is from one of our sponsors and I saw him post it and I thought, ah, this will be organic. I can talk about his business. And he just asked a great question. James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency. And I love this question. I'm looking forward to answering it. Uh, but before I do, our basement flooded in late March. And, uh, it's something that I've never dealt with before. I'm sure a number of you have dealt with it before. It's brutal. Um, you know, it's been a couple of weeks, as you can imagine. It's not like, I mean, it's still, it's a concrete slab at this point. And, uh, you know, it was, a, it's a newly finished basement and it's going to have to be redone. And if I didn't have James Carlton as my insurance agent, I don't know what I would be doing. And that's not, obviously, this isn't a spot. I mean, it is a commercial by definition, but this is just a firsthand anecdote. Because um, I'm picturing who I who I used to work with and what I would be dealing with. And James Carlton has been now, this morning, because he had to come by to, uh, to get another personal piece of property that was damaged, uh, has been to our house three times since it happened. He has set us up with a variety of different people. He has worked with State Farm on our behalf. I mean, this is just, this is this is why you have somebody like James Carlton. And, you know, you say it in a commercial, and I understand people are like, oh, you know, you've been talking about James Carlton for, you know, the podcast is whatever it is, 19, 20 months old. But I, I really mean it, and then I'm experiencing it. I already was experiencing it, but there's just such a difference and it means the world. Plus he will make sure that you're saving money and cover all your bases. Uh, cause I had, I was not covered on certain things. Uh, then I was going to get too much coverage and he said, yeah, you really don't need that much. I mean, how often do you have people in that spot doing that for you? But that's James Carlton, 314-961-4800 or go online at carltoninsurance.net. I can't say enough about him. Can't say enough about him. If your insurance costs a leg and an arm, call James Carlton State Farm. Now here's his question. With the advent of Twitter and such, do you think the average sports fan has a lesser or greater knowledge of the game? For example, we're inundated with hot takes, scores, and highlights, so those that want to be are almost always up to speed regardless of where they're at. Conversely, attention spans in all likelihood are much shorter today, so my guess would be fewer are watching the actual games. Love the question. I immediately have an answer. I do think people are more knowledgeable. The data is ridiculous. And it, and it isn't limited to like, you know, if you want to go into sabermetrics with baseball, um, I think about it actually. And I think about it with golf. And I think about my uh, friend who is killing daily fantasy with golf. And, you know, for example, for a lot of you, you'll be listening to the masters 
And some people asked about doing a master's preview show, if I would have been more on the stick and, and it's just been, you know, I mean, I guess it's no secret if you're a loyal listener of TMA in the podcast, it's been a rough couple of weeks, whether it be the Plowhawk, whether it be the flood. And then my whole family got sick last week. And that wasn't just like, oh, we're sick for a day. It, that was a five, six day type of deal for my wife and my son. Mine was more like three or four, but it was pretty brutal. Gangster Pete, you had it, didn't you? Didn't you had it for like a couple days? Yeah, it was not fun. Holy shit. I hope I didn't get you sick. I mean, I was only here for two days. But I think this studio got me sick. Really? I was sitting here. Ugh. It hit me that night, but really? I, didn't, I didn't have it as bad as you. Like right before I went to bed, my stomach. That's what my wife said. Just awful. Right before she went to bed. And I was feeling fine. I'm like, oh. And then she was already up. And then I got up and she goes, just so you know, I've been up getting sick here for the last hour and I'm like oh my god and then I didn't sleep until you know like eight in the morning and even then I had to sleep on my back like and then I'd sleep for like a half hour because I'd immediately be sick again well I was thinking it might have been something I ate because it was like food poisoning type deals yeah. it kind of felt like and then I got that email from you saying yeah you guys were yeah. in trouble and I was yeah like, there it is I thought it might be food poisoning and you said you were sick and I'm like okay that's it and then plus we we're on a plane with like 50 kids but anyway why do I say this? Well, because it's been a, a rough couple of weeks. And so had it been a smoother couple of weeks, I would have had a Jay Randolph Jr. and Skip Berkmeyer in and we would have done a master's preview. Now, you know, I'm sure some people would have liked it and some people are going, why didn't you do that? That fucking sucks. And I understand, but you know, it's like somebody asked me about doing, I can't remember, oh, like a betting podcast. He goes, I think there's a, I think there's a market for it. That's what people like to say when, when they want something and then they use a word that, you know, they know I would use it. It, it just, it, I understand. I, I would tell you, I don't think there's that much of a market for it. Um, what we're doing right now is what is working and that's, but, but we can certainly talk about all these topics. Um, and anyway, the reason why I bring that up is the data and this gentleman who is in our group for DraftKings, And so he sent over, um, you know, the models he ran, like, so my dad, you know, and even in, in me, I don't understand how he does this. I, I, I can't do what he does. I'm sure I can read about doing it and then gather the information and find out how to build these algorithms and then come up with it. But what these, the, the guys who are doing it aren't guys who are like read a how-to book. These are math geniuses who find nuances and then run programs that then build out models that then give them. And so I'm sitting here with his... Uh, you know, with his rankings of players for the Masters, and I cannot wait to see what hits, especially since one of the players is um is someone who is a who costs uh low, and he and when what he told and you're going, I'm sure you're going, well, say it, and I, I and I understand that, and I'd be on tilt too, but I can't do that. Because, you know, this is, this is, this is how he makes his living. So I can't just like spit out his information. Uh, you know, I don't tell you. I mean, if you were in his spot, would you be happy if I started, you know, he runs all the math and then he goes and buys up all these DraftKings rosters, but then there's some jack off on a podcast spitting out his numbers. That wouldn't be cool, especially for free. I mean, I can't do that. Uh, I will tell you after the fact. And uh, because of it, uh, I went and threw 50 bucks on him to win and 50 bucks on him to, uh, to top five. Uh, just because it's a long shot play, but I'm anxious to see what happens. But, um, and then addition, of course, you know, a lot of top players and, and he's just, I, and then, but what he said was, he goes, let me read it. Cause I thought, I thought this was like textbook math nerd. Like, I don't like it, but this is what my math is telling me. Uh, I have so-and-so player fourth in my finish model with a 77.4% to make the cut, 49.6% to top 20, and 5.4% to win. That's why when Iggy starts breaking down his one $5 roster, I kind of go, well, we'll let him go through this whole thing. But I feel terribly for him for pissing $5 away because he is up against guys who are calculating cut percentage, top 10 percentage, top 20 percentage, and win percentage, and then basing their ownership models on projected ownerships. And it's... You know, it's it's like the guy just going, oh, I'll start screwing around on, you know, day trading versus the guy who's got programs buying and selling stocks in milliseconds. But whatever, uh, you know, it doesn't mean he can't hit. Uh, my final rankings are, and then, you know, big-time player, big-time player, big-time player, big-time player, big-time player, sort of big-time player, sort of big-time player, uh, big-time player. And then the most surprising, no matter how many times I ran my model, was this inexpensive player uh, and then another big time player 
And he said, sometimes the problems with these algorithms are you can't account for uh, this factor and you don't know how someone uh, will deal with this particular factor. So I know that's super cryptic, but I'm doing that intentionally. because I want to guess so bad. Do you? You can guess when we wrap it up and see if you hit. Um, but either way, uh, that, that, that's, how I would, that's how I would do a master's preview. That's how I'm thinking of the master's. So anyway, my dad's asking, like, what's he saying? And I said, all right, here's what he's got. But then I'm sitting there, I'm spitting these out to my dad. And the thing is, I know we're rostering people, as in putting people on our roster, not necessarily because we think these people are going to win. Like the sneaker person, I think he gave me the actual math. Well, either way, uh, the sneaker person, oh yeah, because I remember said, well, now I'm going to go throw money on him. And he, and then he spits this back out at me. Uh, what did he say? Uh, based on my model, he should be plus 2,700 to win the Masters. And he has a 4% chance to win. And that is therefore a very positive EV bet. I expect the values making reference to there. And, uh, and so me getting this guy, the number I got him, it's just like, again, that doesn't, so if somebody's going to win one out of 25 times, that doesn't mean you think he's going to win. So the thought process, which you have to like unlearn almost, and then train yourself to think is value. So when we're putting players on rosters, a lot of it isn't because we necessarily think the player is going to win. It's because we want, we think that let's, let's, let's use Tiger Woods as an example. This would be as wide net discussion as possible. And this will get back to James question, but you see the thought process here. If we think Tiger Woods is going to be owned by 20% of the people who enter the millionaire maker in DraftKings, and we're really high on Tiger Woods then we're going to have him on 40% or 35% of our rosters because then we have that advantage. Um, a few weeks ago at the players, for example, um, we, we, we had two players that we made sure we had on 40% of our rosters. Justin Thomas did not work out. Rory McIlroy did. He won the tournament. And then there was a conscious decision, even though we had, I think, 203 or 243 rosters, to not have any rosters, complete fade of Sergio Garcia and Ricky Fowler. Now, that was not because we went, well, we know this about Sergio or we know this about Ricky and we have Gordon Gecko, Bud Fox information that we're utilizing to our advantage. It was, a, it was the thought process that you have to take a stand to win if you're going to enter in a bunch of rosters. And he said, he goes, listen, it's, it's a 14% chance that Fowler or Garcia will win the players. And if they do, we are we are going to lose money. But if neither one win, we are at an advantage because we won't have any rosters wasted with one of them on there. And obviously a large number of people in the field will be on Ricky Fowler. And so I last night when he sent over uh, the spreadsheet for, for the rosters for this week with the Masters, there were a couple of big name players who weren't on there and I just made sure to check with them. I said, Hey, want to make sure that wasn't a mistake and that isn't an intentional fade. And, and that's what it is. Um, and, uh, and then I said, I got to tell you, this will we'll go back and if you can remind me gangster, because I'll forget after the masters, uh, to, uh, to, to, to actually like name these people that I'm cryptically driving the audience up the wall with, uh, playing mad libs here who I'm high on this person. I'm high on this person. So, but, but I mean, this is a guy who has, I mean, he's winning so much money. It's funny when he tells me, yeah, I got to go into work. And I'm like, yeah, wow, you're easily making more money than damn near anyone I know this year, but you're going into work. Um, and then I said, you know, I'm really high on this person. He said, uh, yeah, he's going to play well Thursday and Friday, but he'll fall apart. He is not going to win us a million. I said, faded it is. I'll yield to your wizardry. I'm high on him this week. Uh, and he said, I looked very hard trying to find a reason that we would see some positive regression and it's just not there. Uh, how many good rounds have all come because of putting and not ball striking? And that's the exact opposite of what you want when you see the inefficiencies usually found in the market. They come from great ball striking and poor putting. 
So again, like I understand what he's saying, but I don't really, really understand it, you know, and, and, and that's the thing. And then you realize it and it's, it's one of those things. It's like my, my, my best way to draw an analogy is when I started playing poker and I was kind of winning and then I'm like, oh, I've, I've got it now. And then you look back on it just with even a few months sometimes, but usually with a few years and you go, oh my God, I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. That's kind of what this is when I'm talking with him about daily fantasy. Now, fortunately, he's he's part of my group, um, and so I'm I'm straight coattails here. But you 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 hear the thought process. It's like I asked him. Here's a little pro tip. This doesn't violate the code. I said, you know, I'm, we're just losing our ass. I mean, fortunately for everybody involved on the NFL stuff that we would do on DraftKings, you know, it's not like people are putting in money that if they were to lose it, it would you know, fuck them up. I mean, this is, this is a recreational situation here and it's a fixed loss. I mean, if we, if each person's putting in $200, for example, every week, you hate losing $200, but it's not like, oh shit, I bet 200 on Missouri against Kentucky. And now I'm down 220. I'll make that up on the Saturday night game. Oh shit. Now I'm down 460. Now, you know, it, and then now I got to get healthy on the NFL and now I'm down 1400 going into Monday night football. What do I do? And then the next thing you know, it, it, it's, it's a fixed loss. And it's a sweat and it's recreational. Um, that's that's different. But with the NFL, I said, you know, do you have any tip on the NFL? Because it's just understood. I'm not going to ask for the players he likes. He's the one doing the research And when he's not part of our group. And he said, my recommendation would be to look at the guys who won, who finished in the top 10, pull up their names, download all of their entries, and then see what they were doing with all of their entries and then get an idea of what their thought process was because you'll be able to tell what their thought process was based on who they rostered and then see if you can then implement a similar thought process to what you do going forward. And while that might sound tedious, if you want to be successful doing it, that's what you get. That's what you do. Now, what you wind up... So so going back to James' question, the answer is there is much more information that is a, out there, it wasn't even out there a few years ago, but B, of course, much more easily accessible. But I think the vast majority of people don't access it. And I don't like get into one of these things where you start chat, well, you should, you should read it. It's kind of like one of those things where people like bust people's balls for not eating healthy. You know, I feel like, uh, like it's like, it, it's such a blind spot, in my opinion, when, when you have people like mocking people for, you know, take your pick, education or for being obese. And yeah, in some cases, certainly they could have done something about it. But in in the vast majority of cases, there's a reason for it. You know, not everybody is going to be in a spot where they're going to be able to go to X, Y, or Z school, which then positions them to go to X, Y, or Z university. And then is in a position because they're making more money, can, if they would like, eat X, Y, or Z food, which is going to certainly make you uh, healthier and also more knowledgeable. And so you kind of, you see these things and some people, I don't know, some people are like, Oh, that's a snowflake viewpoint. Well, I don't know if, if it is, it is, but I mean, it's just, it's just, it, it's real. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's reality. And so I can sit here and go, well, these people want to give takes, but they don't take the time to do the research. Well, I mean, you know, they, they're working, they're parenting, they're married they want to spend time doing this or that hobby-wise because they don't want to read fan graphs for four hours? I should bust their balls? I mean, you know. If anything, capitalize on it. It's an edge for you. I mean, there are a lot of fish out there, so capitalize on it. You think I'd be unhappy when I noticed somebody who didn't know their ass from a hole in the ground sat down at the poker table? Fuck, I want to be surrounded by those people. And inevitably, they're going to win a few hands. It's just going to happen. They're going to run into it. But long term, I'm going to profit because they don't know what they're doing. So uh, that's that's how I view your question, James, which is there are a lot of people who can get this information, but there are more people actually who, because they see little blips of it on Twitter, now think they are more knowledgeable and or come from a place of irritating other people with their opinions that then almost lead to like wars on sports information. 
and or whether or not a player is good. But I mean, this went on. I remember like the Sam Bradford debate in St. Louis, which I'm proud to say I was on the right side of history on. Uh, and I was so confused by that. Like, yeah, this guy's no good. It's not really much of a debate, but what the fuck? There are people who are like really riding with this guy, but okay. You know, uh, the Rams moving thing, proud to be on the right side of history. And I'm trying to, what are some things that I've been on the wrong side on? And now that we can look back, oh, I don't know. I'm sure, I mean, I, anything stand out to you, Gangster Pete? Fire away, please embarrass me if you'd like. Nothing it. off the top of my dome. God, I'm trying to think. I don't know. I, I, I know they're out there. So now people can have a field they emailing me and say, remember when you said this? But uh, it's like somebody attributed the, the Chris Davis thing to me. And I'm like, yeah, that's Doug. Doug loves Chris Davis because he's, always on his fantasy team and he hits home runs for him. So he loves Chris Davis. So he wanted the Cardinals to sign Chris Davis. Um, God, there's gotta be, there's gotta be a signing or somebody I really wanted or somebody I didn't really want that wound up happening. Yeah. I don't know. I know they're there, but whatever. There's, there's way more of them that I've been wrong on. There's just some that stand out. It's like somebody said, we're all the people who love the Dexter Fowler signing. And it was like 95% of the population at the time, but I didn't like it. But it wasn't anti-Dexter Fowler. Like, I didn't see 2018 coming. I just was like, yeah, five years for a guy who's historically been an average to maybe above-average player who's already in his 30s is just a bad deal. And you had to, and you, and you did it emotionally because you couldn't get Adam Eaton. Shit, you know. And there's something to be, and so something I always talk about is recognizing something in the moment as opposed to after the fact. And then try to find the people who you're like, yeah, God, that was that might have been an unpopular opinion, but he or she was saying it at the time. And then as history proves, that person was on the right side of history. So I feel like that's what's going on here with the average sports fan. The average sports fan feels because they get some of this information that now he or she has more knowledge. And then on top of it, bigger, bigger issue, people communicate inside their bubbles. And so oftentimes, what do you find in a bubble? People reassuring you that you're right. And uh, and then they step outside the bubble and they're like, oh my God, this this is not necessarily the way it is. Uh, all right, so let me, uh, let me go into the email because I've gone nothing at this point. But, uh, but uh, TMA fan page stuff. Uh, this is a, I don't know. I'll do it because that's what we'll do on the show. But this is, this is a high-risk, low-reward uh, part of uh, questions from the audience. But I told people, send them in. And unless it gets into a spot where I'm violating the code, so to speak, I will answer. Hey, Tim, this is another attempt at the fuck you. I'm not answering this question question. I know you have said your parents are practicing Christians uh, and pro-life advocates. By the way, on that, Gangster Pete, are you Catholic? I was raised Catholic. Well, that's like one of those statement statements. I go to church when my mom asks me to. Okay. Uh, but did you, like, I always was under the impression that under the umbrella of Christian is Catholicism, Protestant religions. That was. I agree with that. Okay. But now I could be wrong. I feel like if you say you're Christian, it's actually more of an evangelical thing. Uh, yeah. I mean, I could see, I could see there's more of a negative connotation. Well, no, it's not, it's not intended to be negative or positive. It's just, it's a, it's an, it's not, it's got nothing. It's, it's just like, I'm Christian. And it's like, well, yeah, I guess by definition, I was born Christian as well, but I would say I'm Catholic just because that's what I have. Well, if someone says they're Christian, I think of those big super churches. Which oftentimes would fall under the umbrella of being evangelical, but sometimes I suppose they're not. Uh, either way, just for the purpose of clarification, uh, practicing Catholics, even though the email said Christian and pro-life advocates. My mom certainly is. I guess my, I think my dad is. It's not something he really. Uh, I also have heard you say you are more liberal on social issues. I am liberal on social issues. Definitely not more. Although I, I will have to say that uh, my my liberalism is being challenged, not necessarily by in, in principle. It's just by like who's, who's taking the, the torch and running with it. And like how they're just like fucking so many things up by taking on some causes that are just not even causes. Holy shit. Uh, when Barack Obama is saying, hey, you know, 
we got some cannibalization going on here with people, you know, who really shouldn't be leading, uh, taking, taking the torches and, and leading. That's a problem. Um, my question is, where do you stand on the issue of abortion? I believe even the more liberal side of the aisle have a time in their mind when a fetus becomes a baby while in the mother. Also was wondering if having a child has changed the way you feel about the issue. For the record, I consider myself pro-life, but overturning Roe versus Wade is not necessarily the best answer. I would rather have adoptions being more affordable and middle-class families could go adopt without going into huge debt. Also take some of the pro-life money and Planned Parenthood money to set up help and counseling for expected mothers instead of just funneling the money to either political party who ramp up fear and anger on both sides. Uh, that comes from Chris. Uh, I've had this one attempted to be asked a few different times. I like the way this one was asked. So that's why I made sure to save it for the purpose of answering it, even though I didn't know if I would answer it. Then I'm like, I'm, 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 I'm going to go ahead and answer it today. My honest answer is I don't know. My honest answer is I don't know. Now people are like, oh, what a cop out. You're running for office. My, my honest answer is I don't know. At the core of the issue, I believe, because I'll sometimes say this when I'm having a private discussion with somebody and we just simply disagree on an issue, even though it's it's not something I would say with like somebody who I just met, but somebody who I know. At, I believe anyway, at the absolute core of the issue, the core, 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 even going beyond religion, the, the absolute nucleus is whether one believes life begins at conception or take your pick of whatever later time. Um, that's, that's, that's at the, that's at the root of it. Now that that's my opinion. So if you disagree, that's fine. You don't need to send any, you're welcome to send an email and disagree. And it's, it, it's wonderful, uh, when people write and I do enjoy, I legitimately do enjoy it, but I'm making it clear. This is not me saying that this is a fact. This is my opinion. Um, that's what I believe. Now, what, has happened, and I'm not sure why this is, I'd be really curious why this has happened. I'm sure somebody actually has the answer. I'm sure a lot of people have the answer and I'll probably get a lot of emails about it, is why this issue has become an issue that is on one side synonymous with religion, but specifically Christianity. And I think even, I, could, I shouldn't say, I shouldn't say even more so Catholicism because I'm coming from a place of being raised Catholic and going to Catholic grade school and Catholic high school. Uh, so that might not be fair. Um, because I think part of the reason why President Trump experiences confusing yet blind support from evangelicals is his handling of the Supreme Court and the hope uh, for the overturning of, of, of Roe versus Wade. So it's not simply a Catholic thing. Um, but that it's synonymous with religion on one side, and then it is synonymous with feminism on the other side. And, and, and I'm more interested in why and how, I'm not challenging it. People get, they get the, their guard up. They're ready to fucking fight on Twitter why this became such an important issue for, I can speak to it from the Catholic church standpoint, but for Christian in general, why? Why is this such a, why do you have single issue voters on this issue? And I, and I, I, I legitimately, let me ask you, Gangster Pete, I feel like you're leaning in as if you might have knowledge. Do you have knowledge or you're just leaning in because that's what your body told you to do? My body told me to lean towards the microphone. You have, but yet you have no, I, I don't know. I don't know why, I don't know why this is. It, it's almost like one of these, if you are, if you are Catholic, you cannot vote for a pro-choice candidate. It, that, that's how my mom feels about it. it, it, it that's how I, I, I don't know. My mom hasn't vocalized it like that, but it's just, it's such, and it's, and that's how, I don't want to say that's how I was raised because I don't think I was necessarily raised that way, but I went to a Catholic grade school. And then the other thing, and it's something I cite often. And so for people who listen to everything, which is great, it's redundant, but I also know there are plenty of people who don't listen to everything. And so it, it might not be redundant. One of the reasons why I love Senator Danforth is because he said one of our core problems in politics right now is you have one party believing they are the party of good and the other party believing uh, or that. And then therefore that party believing if they're the party of good and on the side of God, then that, obviously that means there's no way to compromise because the other side is not on the side of God. So you can't compromise with somebody who's not on the side of God. 
Now, what I've noticed happening on the left here recently is that's starting to happen. It's just not coming from a God place. Uh, it's, it's almost actually coming from a place of John, Donald Trump is Satan, and, th- and therefore we cannot compromise with the party of Satan. So it's still the same principle. So I'm noticing this going on, I, and I don't know, and I don't, you know, so the, 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 to follow up on on where I am on it and whether or not becoming a parent has changed my mind, uh, it has not changed my mind. I, I get those a few times. Like, I feel like there are people who are conservative, like, oh, maybe he'll become conservative once he has a kid. Okay, now he's had a kid for 19 months. Maybe, and I'm just, that's just not, that's my whole, th- I, I cannot, for me, I cannot be on the side of what I consider to be bad people. And that's got nothing to do with liberal or conservative because they both have them. But like the fraud shit, that's for whatever reason, that one, that one bothers me the most, um, which is why the Republican primary process is the most nauseating for me of all of the political processes. Now, maybe the, the Democratic debates will make me go, oh, my God, you know, here in the next few months. But I'm talking about, especially since it starts in Iowa, which is beyond me why that happens. And then you go to New Hampshire and then you go to South Carolina. And so what happens? Well, two of those three states with religion, and not just religion, but one specific religion, uh, is, is the focal point for many of the voters. You have people moving far to the right on social issues when my belief is that many of them don't actually feel that way, but they know they have to play to that audience in order to survive the caucus or the primary. And so it filters out a number of people who would be great legislators, great leaders, because they wind up saying things during the primary process that will come back to bite them during the general. And or it turns off people who otherwise would have voted for him and go, God almighty, I can't vote for somebody who really thinks that they really think that. So. It hasn't had that. that it, it's not like I'm going, you know what? Now that I have Jameson, I'll be voting for Donald Trump. That's that's not where it is. What I will say, and this has nothing to do with my son, I'm just noticing that it's just it's so bad that shit with um i don't like 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 i don't even i don't even know i don't even know what the goal is I, well i think i think at the end of it the goal is to make money i always feel like the goal is either to make money or to get laid and it, it, it's it's one or the other it's it's but you just got to like keep pulling away the layer and then at the bottom you'll either find make money or get laid and then sometimes one will lead to the other so when i sit there and i I think about it on the, on the political process. I, the fraudulent element of it is what drives me up the wall. But I also recognize that as a politician, what, I mean, it's like, man, I'm a radio host. Now my, my honest answer is I don't know, but I know you can destroy your political career by taking a stand on it. So most people will, you know, gently say this or that or forcefully and go, fuck it, I can win because I'm in this particular part of the country and I, I have to do this. Because to me, it's so complex. But it gets back to when do you believe life begins? Because I don't believe many people would be like, well, yeah, I believe we're killing a human being and I'm totally cool with it. I just don't believe that's what's going on. I just don't believe that's what's going on. Now, some people, well, what did you see what happened in Virginia? And I, oh, okay, we can pick our shit. But I'm talking about in general, I'm not trying to do my Fox and Friends wedge issue show. I'm talking in general. In general. So what I can say from now being a parent and then, of course, the nine months of going into the doctor's office and then hearing the heartbeat and seeing the ultrasound pictures. And I don't care what week of the pregnancy it was for me. I can't imagine aborting that baby. I can't. I, me, I can't. But clearly, a large percentage of the United States does not want that to be something that the government decides. And so 
for a number of you, for example, this was a poll question on the uh, the fan page, is porn bad? Just a general question. And the vast majority, I'm talking like 99% said no. And a few people said yes. And then a few, then like another choice was, yeah, I do, but I don't want to be judged. You know, so, it, you know, kind of a joke answer, but, you know, to say that, yeah, I know if I'm going to say yes, people are going to make fun of me. And so it's, it's for me, it's the same thing on that. And you go, oh my God, you're going to compare the abortion issue to porn, but follow me on it. What I'm saying is it might not be for you. God bless. But do you believe that the government should make it illegal? It's a real kind of just simple question. And then the follow-up would then be, okay, well then if you want that to be illegal, then what about this? And then where, where are you? Because, you know, it's not, it's not, it's not for you. It's for everyone. It's for the law of the land. Yeah. One of my favorite interviews we had on TMA, I wonder if Buck Swope can find this, was we had Sarah Steelman on and she was running for U.S. Senate. And I believe this was Todd Aiken time. And uh, it was a three-person primary, John Bruner, Sarah Steelman, and Todd Aiken. And Aiken won. And then that's when Aiken made his comments about abortion, which isn't why I'm telling this story, even though the question was about abortion. And then uh, Claire McCaskill beat him, whereas had uh, he not made those comments, I bet he wins, and I bet Steelman and Bruner would have beaten McCaskill at that time. With that all said, that's not the reason I bring it up. We had Sarah Steelman on, and Sarah Steelman, for whatever reason, it was flattering for me, uh, had been told by somebody that it would be good to you know, get to know me, come on the show. She came down to my office. We just sat there for like an hour and BS. She was, you know, very respectful. And then she said, yeah, I'd like to come on the show. I have her on the show. And at the time there was some controversy in Jefferson city. And I'm, I'm paraphrasing the story. Some of you will know exactly what I'm talking about. Most of you probably won't have any idea. Uh, this was obviously, you know, a number of years ago here at this point, maybe six, seven years ago that Jefferson City was going to put a bust of Rush Limbaugh in the rotunda as some kind of honorary famous native Missourians. And as you can imagine, some people loved it, some people hated it. You know, play out the script from here. And so I asked her about that on the air. And she said, yes, I think he should as a native Missourian who has done incredible things in broadcasting and really was a trailblazer. I think we should celebrate him. And I said, okay. I said, let's say Howard Stern is from the state of Missouri. Would you believe he should be in the rotunda in the Capitol building? And she said, no. And I said, well, I would argue that everything you just said about Rush Limbaugh, Howard Stern meets. And she said, yes, but a lot of people find him to be controversial and says inappropriate things. And I said, that's fine. I said, I can say the same thing about Rush Limbaugh. And the re and then some people are like, oh, my God, can't believe you said that to the, the U.S. Senate candidate. I said, well, I mean, it doesn't matter who the person is. If I find there to be a double standard, it's my my job to to, to make that observation. And, uh, and to me, I found it to be a, a double standard. So with regard to... Picking and choosing, I feel like there's a lot of picking and choosing going on, but it's such an uncomfortable issue because I think when it gets down to it, a lot of people, they just don't know. And I don't know. I don't know. So I can only speak for myself. And it's one of those questions you can debate forever and you're just, I just don't think you're ever going to get an answer. So, and then, and then, and then but, but, but here's the thing. So I've had this conversation with my mom, who's the president of Birthright, was the president of Birthright in Missouri. So it's something that she feels passionately about. I haven't had the conversation with her a long time, but I remember the conversation. And, you know, it was probably some, I probably said something along the lines of, well, I mean, if people want to have an abortion, then, you know, let them have an abortion, but then you don't have an abortion. She goes, yes, I understand that. She goes, but who is fighting for the lives of the, the unborn babies? And that's the mindset that she is in that nobody is defending them. Nobody, and, and I'm sure plenty of you are listening going, oh my God, you know, how outdated, how narrow, my, whatever it is. And then I'm sure some of you are like, oh, God bless your mom. But that's the that, that's why it can't be a, 
live and let live situation in the minds of those who are advocates because you are literally in their minds fighting for people's lives. So that's why it's, it's you're going to go round and round on the discussion. So with regard to how it's impacted me as far as being a parent, it's not like I'm like, oh, my eyes have been opened. and It's just not the way I am. I, I, I experienced too much negativity in particular from what I would consider to be modern day Philistines in my late teens and 20s and 30s. Uh, it really hasn't happened yet in my 40s, but something will happen and they'll be there because they're just waiting uh, to, to, to ever be like, oh, I want to be in line with those people. I never do. I never do. Never do. Never do. Even if I have a take that they agree with, that's great if we're on the same page on something, but that doesn't mean that I want to be on board with people who use religion as a weapon to discriminate and or uh, hurt people. That's the way, like if somebody wants to have their opinions, God bless them, but then to like manipulate the Bible or something to, to you know, to take up, take your pick of whatever it would be to, to justify hurting people. Oh, the worst, the absolute worst. So I'm not interested. Don't want your support. Not interested. So hate me all you want. That's fine. I'm very comfortable being on the other side on that one. Uh, let's see. I can go back into the fan page and see what the word is. Uh, let's see. Uh, okay, final question. Uh, what is your take on the weaponization of the term fake news? I understand that there is fake news out there, but over the past couple of years, the term has seemingly been weaponized, used to take used to the advantage of some to discredit information they don't like to the point where there literally is no place to find universal truths. You know, I, on, on, on fake news, I believe, and maybe I'm wrong on this, but I remember why, I think I was watching Meet the Press, liberal, but I think I was watching Meet the Press, and I remember going, fake news was something that like people on the left were using to mock the the Trump campaign and now somehow the Trump campaign's using it. What the fuck just happened? I specifically remember that. And then I then like I feel like it was a few weeks later, then I was I was watching Meet the Press, liberal. And Kellyanne Conway was on, and that's when she busted out the alternate facts or alternative facts. Well, we have alternative. I'm going, oh my God, this is just a fucking bizarro world. That's why I that's why I'm like I still like talking philosophy. I'm not interested in talking 2019 politics. I don't know if that'll change. I'm just, I'm like, so because of what you just said, uh, Tom, in your question, because there are no universal truths or it's tough to find universal truths. It's like, what's the, what I did. It's, we're not, we're not debating the same thing. It's like, if I'm going, well, here are the metrics that say Marcelo Zuna is the worst left fielder in the history of baseball. And you're going, yeah, but he won a gold glove. And it's like, okay, I guess, I guess theoretically both things, you know, are accurate and you have your point. I have my point, but it's like, if we're going to, if we're coming from those places, like what are, what are we even going to go? What's the, what's, what, what are we going to accomplish by even wasting our time? We're going to spin our wheels and eventually wind up in some kind of verbal sparring match. Uh, the fake news thing. Yes. I think that is a way, oh, what was, what was it recently? Was it on the radio show? It might've been. Yes. Uh, somebody was. Uh, Iggy was talking about how great Tiger Woods is driving the ball right now and uh, and how, therefore, you know, he really either liked him for the Masters or didn't like him. I don't know. It doesn't matter. But he was talking about how he's, you know, top 10 in driving accuracy stats. And then producer Joe, listening and always willing to point out when Iggy is not correct, said uh, Tiger Woods is ranked 54th in the world right now in driving accuracy. And then Iggy goes, well, I, I don't believe that. That's just not, and, you know. And it's, it's like, well, here, here's, here's what's going on. Well, and then what people will do is, well, who reported it? Because then, oh, we'll see. So you don't count it that way. Or it's like, can you believe that Joe Biden is, you know, doing this with women? And it's like, well, do you remember what happened at that? Yeah, but I mean, that was different because, and it's just, I, I just bash my head against the wall on it. I'm not interested. It's like when, when, when this stuff comes up on, on TMA, people go, Tim, where'd you go? I'm just like, I'm here. I'm seeing what Katrina Jade's doing on Instagram. That's what I'm doing. I'm telling you that's what I'm doing. Maybe Addie Andrews, very high on her right now. But that's what I'm doing. 
because I'm just, I'm not, I'm just going to bang my head against the wall. So yes. And I think it is, it is very dangerous. Now what, what, what is being used, it's kind of like the way that downtown in Washington Avenue fell apart, which immediately is like a trigger phrase for some people in St. Louis to say that Washington Avenue fell apart, but okay. I lived there, set up my business down there, but you know, I'm out of touch. But uh, at least we can, I think we all can agree that it was really, really good from 2009 through like 2011. But Ferguson happened in 2014. And so what you have happened now, and then Ballpark Village didn't open, you know, I think it was 2013, if I'm not mistaken, is that Ballpark Village and Ferguson are oftentimes by some people blamed for the reason why Washington Avenue went into a bus cycle. And I'm like, well, yeah, but the bus started before ballpark village and Ferguson. So what are we going to really say about that part? Cause that's an inconvenient truth. Al Gore liberal. Um, but yeah, that's the, so what, so what you wind up having happen now is if somebody doesn't like the news, they are able to just go fake news and then move past it as opposed to, before the term fake news. I guess the thing that I will say is I think it's opened people's eyes to the fact that you can have bias in news and to not just believe it because it is in print or it's because it's on your laptop or iPad or phone or whatever the case might be. That's good. The issue that I see is it has now like become an overcorrection of just not believing anything if it does not line up with your preconceived notion. And that is what is dangerous to me. And yes, it has absolutely been weaponized. It's 100% been weaponized. But that's dangerous. I mean, you know, I'm telling you, I, I've, I think I've said it on this podcast before. If I haven't said it, for those, first off, if I had to bet right now, Donald Trump's going to get reelected with, and I've said that since Donald Trump was elected in 2016, but I'll, you know, uh, with that said, um, if Donald Trump were to lose in 2020, um, I think a lot of people who would be on the left think like that's the end of the book and that, oh, that was an unfortunate time in American politics. And now we move forward. And I'm telling you that it does not die in November 2020 if he is defeated. I'm, I'm, I'm just telling you, I, there's, there's no way. And, and who knows how the hell that would all go down if that were to happen. I, uh, I, I, I truly worry about that and what would play out. I don't know what the hell happened. Because I think if for a lot of people on the left, they're so con convinced that he's going to lose, that they're going to be beside themselves should he win. And then for people who think he is the absolute greatest, the people who ever, it doesn't matter what's going on, he always has that 35% approval and sometimes it fluctuates and I think it's currently 42% approval ranking, that no matter what he does, he's, he's, he's golden, uh, you're going to have uh, those people. I mean, I think it's just, it's going to be brutal. So, uh, I don't know. But um, yes, the weaponization of fake news, 100% noticed it see it and it is blown up the credibility of people who otherwise I think would be credible. And I think it's incredibly unfortunate. Uh, at the same time, I also see some of these people just playing right into it with, uh, they've just like abandoned, attempted to, to do in journalism going, Oh, I can make a lot more money if I play to this audience. So you see that going on as well. All right. There are all his questions from the audience brought to you by the homeloanexpert.com brought to you by Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies brought to you by James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency brought to you by Johnny Landoff Chevrolet at Highway 270 in the Washington Elizabeth exit and brought to you by Design Air Heating and Cooling online at designairservice.com questions complaints criticisms feel free to fire away email me at tmckernan at insidestl.com that's tmckernan at insidestl.com Listen to our interviews, give positive reviews on iTunes, wherever you may podcast. Thank you for supporting the sponsors and thank you for listening to another edition of the Tim McCurney Show from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios.